you should have got when you came in, or you could have got. I don't know if they actually gave it to you in your hand. But we gave all these uh, things. We looked at some of the Old Testament stories of hospitality, and we verbally gave you a bunch of the things that are helpful that you really need, not only in the Old Testament, but when you get to the New Testament about hospitality and people showed it. This is the protocol. I, I combined them. I, there were 15, but I put a couple together. So there's 13. I wrote them out. So when you do study on your own or just when you go through ours here on Wednesday nights, next few weeks, that you'll be easier to see some of these things as you study them with me or on your own. It'll be helpful so you can remember them easier. So that's for your benefit. Tonight, let me start off like I did last time and tell you up front what my purpose or my main idea tonight is this. Um, our hospitality to others, and Pastor Dave actually encapsulated it pretty good in our prayer. His prayer is, our hospitality to others is a response to God's hospitality to us. Let me show you what I mean. Two passages real briefly. First, Luke 14, if you'll turn there in your Bibles. Luke 14, I'm going to show you how um, that our hospitality is a reenactment, and I use that word specifically. I don't know if you've ever been to, how many have ever been to a Civil War reenactment in New Jersey? Have you ever been to one? Raise your hand if you've been to one. Pencil, okay, well, not just New Jersey, then, okay, yeah. How many have ever been in one? Anyone ever actually done that? The first thing that comes to my mind when I watched on the video is like, it looks hot. Because they do it at the end of June. The one that the Battle of Monmouth is one, and they have a couple others. I saw the groups of people who do it together. But they're super heavy outfits in the in summertime. That looks pretty hot. Uh, but it looked like it was, uh, and, and, and they actually do the battle and everything. So pretty, but reenactment is they're, they're redoing history. They're looking at something that happened that someone else really did, and they're trying to be like it. Isn't that what we do? I want you to think of that. That's what we do with hospitality. Hospitality is Christians reenacting hospitality to others because we first saw it in God for us. So let me show you what that looks like. Luke 14 and verse 15 reads, When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, I'm sorry, let me go back to verse 12. He said to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner, this is what they do. He said, this is what you do. When you give a dinner or a banquet, hospitality, have people over, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors. Now that is what everybody did. Okay, when you had a, a big party, you threw it for all the people you were close to, especially if they had money. All right, and the motivation was, why? It says, lest they also invite you in return, and you will be repaid. Now, on our list, down the way, there is one of the things is there is usually, number 13 on our paper, there's usually reciprocity. So you see it in the text? When you have somebody over and you invite them, what's the expectation? They're going to invite you back. That was my sister's expectation, Right? And maybe some of yours, hey, I had somebody over, but I, I, why don't people have me over? Why don't they ask us to come over or something like that? We wish it was both ways. Well, if it was good hospitality, it was. But Jesus says, I want you to do your hospitality and your banquets and your table stuff radically different. I don't want you to be motivated by what someone might give you in return. He says, here's how you do it. 
You don't invite them in return, and you'll be repaid. But when you give a feast, watch the categories. You invite the poor, the crippled, the lime, the lime, the lame, the blind. That was the combination. Now, draw a line in your Bible from verse 13 down to verse 21. So when he gives the parable about how God at the great banquet someday is going to show hospitality, he gives the same run of four categories. Verse 21 says, So the servant came, reported those things. The master of the house became angry. He said to us, Go quickly in the streets and the lanes, of the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, and blind, and lame. Okay? Because that's... See, if we, if we want to say in our modern-day vernacular, God has a guest list, and it's not the normal people that you'd have on it. So he tells them, back up to the first part... And you invite those people, and you will be blessed. See, you will be, I, say, I like to say that solid, you will have solid happiness. And what he's saying is real kind of happiness, a permanent kind of happiness, a satisfaction that you can't get from a lot of other things. You'll be blessed because, here it is, they cannot repay you. See, now watch. How do you have the motivation to have people over, do things for them, and do it anyways, even if they never ask you to have it? So you, they can't even have it back. If you, one of the books I gave last week was um, The Gospel Comes with a House Key by Rosaria Butterfield, who is a former lesbian, and she got converted, and she got converted because the pastor that she interviewed for a paper she was writing against Christianity, him and his wife had her over to their house, and she went one time, and she liked it so much that she kept going back. And over a process of being in their house for two years, they became such great friends, and she heard the gospel that she became a Christian. And her whole life, of course, including her sexuality, changed. And in the book she writes, The Gospel Comes with a House Key, is that the reason she got saved was because someone had her over at the table. But they would always have her over, and she looked back on the two years, and she said, and I never had him over to my house. Today, she's married and has kids and grandkids, and she says, we have taken, read it for yourself, it is incredibly moving, the whole book. Um, she said, we take hospitality seriously. She goes, every day, every day, we have someone in our house. She said, we have people over for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We have people who arrive and sometimes sleep in our house. She said, when we took hospitality seriously, she goes, it doubled our food bill. It doubled it. She goes, and she goes through, and she's very honest. Sometimes people appreciate it. Sometimes they don't show any of that appreciation. Sometimes they take stuff and eat stuff and do stuff, and they stay over, and they're not thankful. And she said they've had to repair things, fix things, and it's, but then she also tells you the great side of it, how they've ministered to people, and anybody in the neighborhood wants something, they come over to them. They had a major problem in the neighborhood, and, and literally she said, everyone in the neighborhood, within five minutes of having this major issue in their neighborhood, were standing in their front lawn knocking on the door. Because they know that they're the people who take care of everything. And she said, she's just, the testimony she has, but they took it seriously. And here's what Jesus says, you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So you don't have to get it back here. You get it back there. See, that is 
that's the only way, when you read about the stories of hospitality and what people do and how it turns out sometimes and what it takes, see, that's the only place. that. Now, so when we went to Ecuador, people don't make nearly as much money there, by and large, as we do. So what, you know what we do? We give them some money to say, hey, I know you put out a lot of money, and some of you, that's your that's huge amount of money to you. So we would give them gifts. But for most of us in America, that doesn't need to be us. That we can say, God, you know what? I can be repaid the resurrection of the just. That's what God says. Now, that's what you should do. And here's what Jesus says. And one of them reclined at the table, said, and see, now see what Jesus said, if you do this kind of hospitality, you'll be blessed. Now watch, he says it again. Blessed, this is another person, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. That, he goes, that is the blessing. And Jesus says, let me tell you about why I'm motivating you to do this kind of table ministry. Because someday, this is what it's going to be like. A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at this time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they are all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a field. I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. Another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, this is God, right? Master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel people to come into my house that it may be filled. God said, I want to show you hospitality. And the point of the story is, for I tell you, none of these men who are invited shall taste of my banquet. See, the Pharisees didn't see themselves in need of God's welcome. And one of the biggest things that Jesus got in trouble for, and do you know, if you read Luke 15, this is the prelude to all three of the stories about the three lost things, the lost coin, remember the lost son, remember that? And, and the whole prelude to it is the complaint of the Pharisees and the scribes, your master, your rabbi, eats with tax collectors and sinners. Because when you ate with someone in, in, in Middle Eastern culture, you ate meant you accepted them. It meant that you would willingly be their friend. Therefore, the next tag on that Jesus got, here's his little identity, friend of tax collectors and sinners. Where did he get that? It wasn't, a, we would say, isn't that great? It was not complimentary in his day. It was a slam. It was an argument about how he could not be the Messiah because he wouldn't be friend. Now, see, listen, that's what God says. I'm having a table, but you know who's not going to come, who doesn't want to come? They make excuses. All the religious people. All the people who think they've got it together. They're religious people. Some of them fill churches. And Jesus says, a lot of them don't think they need to come to my table. But you know what? So I'll go out and get all the people who did. By the way, and that is one of the verses that motivated me to, to start the Mosaic ministry. Because God wants us to invite the poor and the lame and the blind and the crippled. And the people that don't normally get invited to God's table. And Jesus says, see, that's what I do. See, watch. So that's what you do. So my premise is, right, we are hospitable to others because God has been hospitable to us. But it's one more step tonight. But more than that, how has God been hospitable to us? Because if we're going to enact his hospitality and mimic it, 
and exemplify to others, we have to know what he did. Real quickly, Romans 15. You don't see this passage talked about very often because people miss the word that's in there. Remember I told you at the end of the time last week that there are certain, about half dozen or so, certain Greek words that form a vocabulary for New Testament and even Old Testament hospitality. When they're used, you know that this is what they're talking about. One of those words, depending on your translation, could be receive, or as in the ESV I'm using, it's the word welcome. It says in chapter 15, verse 1 of Romans, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. In other words, self-denial, self-sacrifice, self-renunciation. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ, see again, that's what you do to others, and what's the basis of that? What Christ does for you. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who approached you fell on me. Verse number 5. I'm sorry, four. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, meaning in the Old Testament, that through endurance and through encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such a harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Based on that unity and that love for one another, based on the self-sacrificial example of Jesus, therefore, verse 7, Welcome one another. Put in there in your mind. Be hospital show hospitality to one another. Welcome people into your life. Welcome them into your house. Welcome them to your table. Welcome them. It's a hospitality vocabulary word. Watch though. Welcome one another. How? As Christ welcomed you. And he already told us how that happened. How did he welcome you? He didn't please himself. He denied himself. For the glory of God, he says. And then he goes on to say a little bit more. So, so tonight, I just wanted to start off, and we don't have a lot of time, but with those two passages, because I want to establish the principle that we're going to look at some stories tonight. We're going to look at stories, hospitality stories, and why they are so many in the Bible, and why they are so detailed, and put in things that you don't think are necessary until you put them all together, is because what we're going to see tonight, when you look at Rahab to the spies, and you look at Abraham to the three people of the angels that came to his house, and you look at Lot and how he had hospitality, even though in Sodom it was horrific, and the men of Gibeah in Judges 19, and you look at how Moses found hospitality at the well with Zipporah, and we look at all these different ones throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament, I want you to see that people are emulating and enacting, reenacting hospitality that they have seen in God, and namely through Jesus Christ. So let me ask you first of all, when you were growing up, again, I don't know, maybe I just always think old things, but how many of you were told growing up or told your kids, or maybe some of the teens could say tonight, have you ever told, don't talk to strangers? Do people say that anymore? People still say don't talk to strangers? No? Okay, now how many of you ever heard this term, stranger danger? Anybody heard that? Okay, that was very, I, when I looked it up, that was very prominent on the internet. And, and I looked it up, what does it mean? It meant that, you know, don't really get too close or talk to strangers because there's a danger factor you could be kidnapped, and whatever else, awful things that they 
reported people have had happen. Now, a stranger in the Bible to us, or stranger in our day, means stranger meaning I don't know you and you could be a really bad person. That's not what the Bible means when it's stranger. So let me get us on the same page. Stranger and the word sojourner, foreigner, alien, not from another planet, but alien meaning not from the same country, right? All those words are similar, if not somewhat interchangeable. So when the Bible says stranger, remember I told you how important it was last week, Matthew 25, how important it is that you show hospitality? Jesus said, when I was a stranger, you took me in. Remember, and I needed something to eat and clothe, and you did those things, and when did we see you, Lord? When you did it to the least of these, my brothers. And that was the difference, we said. Remember in Matthew 25, the people who go to eternal punishment and the people to have eternal life, and one of the main points was how they showed hospitality to other people. All right? So, because hospitality is a demonstration of your character. It's how, who you are. Remember, because we're supposed to follow ho- God's hospitality first, and then otherwise. So let me, sh- I'm going to give you one example of that. Okay? Remember, I've, I've done numerous sermons over times that put two chapters side by side in the Bible. It's a good hermeneutical thing to un- that sometimes that there are two stories, this chapter and this chapter, and they're completely the opposite of one on, on purpose because what the Bible wants you to do is to compare them side by side to see the drastic radical difference between two things. One example would be John 3. You've got Nicodemus who's religious but lost. So God, Jesus goes through and gives him the gospel. You must be born again. Next chapter, chapter 4, you have the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. She is not, she's religious, but not really. She's really immoral. She's un- so you got the religious guy who's respected by everyone. He needs salvation. And you got the immoral woman who's not respected by hardly anybody. And that's why she's at the well at noon. But she needs the gospel. So side by side, they're completely different people. But what makes them the same, right, is their need of Jesus. Same example if you looked in Genesis chapter 37 and 38, side-by-side chapters. You got Joseph in chapter 37 who is in slavery in Egypt because his brother sold him there, but he's got a moral temptation by Potiphar's wife. He's a lot younger, and he's in a horrible situation, but he refuses and is godly. Next chapter, right next to it, is Judah, his oldest brother, the tribe of Judah. It's Judah himself, way older, walks by the road, sees a woman in a tent. She's acting like a, a prostitute, and he goes into her. And, and the idea between the two chapters by, by, is that here's a guy in horrible circumstances who's really young, a guy who's supposed to be mature and much older and really good circumstances, but it's not the guy you think that does the right thing. And you could go, there are many others in the Bible. And in our case, there's another one. Genesis 18 and 19, side by side. And we won't take the time to look at it all, but if you read Genesis 18, and you'll look that here is Abraham, the patriarch of Israel, and he shows hospitality. Three guys walk up out of nowhere, and he bends over backwards to show hospitality, and it's well-received. And the three men go into his house, and he makes them a meal, and, and, and all the protocols. He hurries up, and he doesn't have them stay very long, and they get on their way, and he walks them out to a certain distance. He does the protection part. So he does all the protocols of hospitality, and he's a godly man, and therefore Abraham is the one to emulate when it comes to hospitality. Next chapter, you got Lot. Now, my theory is, and you look at Lot's life, and how his, wife, his daughter's were incestuous with him and had babies through him. And his wife looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. And you're thinking, like, the guy's family is a wreck. 
and he doesn't seem to be too great himself because when the guys of the town who are homosexuals come to the door, he wants to offer up his daughters to keep them from taking the angels or the guys that are in his house. That's an appalling travesty, by say the least. So 2 Peter 2, 7 and 8 says, Lot, the righteous man, Lot. And you're going like, Lot, the righteous man? You're going like, what are you talking about? I mean, he takes the land that looks better for himself. He's immoral with his own daughters. He's drunk. He's, he's, he doesn't sound like a very righteous man to me. But you know what I think sticks out in his mind? Is the guy practiced hospitality. You know why? Because two of the angels that went to Abraham the next day went down the road and met with him and said, God sent us to get you out of here because he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And so, there, remember I told you, in rural areas, you find the hospitality at a well. At public areas or in a city, you find it at the city square or the gate. So they're at the gate of the city, lot sitting in the gate of the city, and they come there and they get... He finds hospitality, and he implores them twice, you can't stay in the city square. He knows what people are like in this town because he's pitched his tent toward there. He's lived there. He knows. So please, it's getting dark. Come and stay. They finally go to him. They have dinner. He gets them in their house. He's showing them hospitality. And then knock, knock, not really, on the door. And all these men, are, and they want him to send out the two guys. And he tries to say to them, moralistically, you can't do this, how wicked it is, and they don't pay any mind to him. You know why? Because they said, he's a stranger. He's a foreigner. He doesn't really belong here. He's not one of us. And so he appallingly offers his daughters, but instead, the angels, watch, he takes them in his house, have a meal. What do they do? They give reciprocity, right? You know what they do? They protect him. Now watch, that's how his hospitality fell apart. It was his job to protect them, but they end up having to protect him. The, but the story wants you to get this. Abraham, good hospitality, and was blessed by God. Lot tried his best, good hospitality as much as he could, and God blessed him. Abraham got blessed with the having, being able to have a child because remember how Sarah laughed at the door when she said, you're going to have a child? But God blessed her with one. Lot is blessed, and he is protected, and they get him out of Sodom, and Gomorrah before it's too late. And see, see, here's what God says. But watch, the reception of the angels was good, but the reception of Sodom and Gomorrah is awful. Why? Because the way that you receive the hospitality is an indication of where you are with God. Now, here's the thing. Watch this. Jesus comes to a sycamore tree, which they say, I've been by, but I don't believe it's the one because no sycamore has lasted 2,000 years. But there's a big sycamore tree in Jericho, and you can go by there and where he might have been. And Jesus is being hot. He's, gonna, he's the, the Messiah, or they say he says he is, right? And they're going to give him the greatest celebration, welcome. When you went out, when Jesus comes into Jericho, they go out to get him, and that's where he heals blind Bartimaeus, and then they bring him in. See, they're showing hospitality, and they go out to get him, and then they bring Jesus in, and he's going to stay with the very rich and affluent and at their houses today, and it's going to be great. But what does Jesus do? Stops under the Zacchaeus, come down, and, and watch. We joke around with little kids, right? And make haste. Why do you have to make haste? Because you're going to be the host today. And what hosts, what do they do? What's the protocol? They hurry up. They want, you know why? Because when you're hurrying up, 
You want to do it. You're glad to do it. You're excited because you're accepting this person into your house. That means you want to be friends with them. And Jesus is telling everybody, hey, you know who I'm going to do today? I'm going to be in his house. And they would say, how can he go to be a house, you know, have hospitality from a guy who's a sinner? Because that's what hospitality demonstrates. Sodom and Gomorrah, they demonstrated they really didn't want anything to do with Lot or his God, but the way they treated him. Gibeah and the men that attacked the concubine, the Levite, they were, they were horribly judged by that. Can I tell you this? Jesus comes into our world. Listen to John chapter 1 a little differently, and I'll close. In John chapter, 11, chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, Jesus says, He came unto his own, and his own did not receive him, welcome him. He came to his own people. He came to his own family. He even, in Luke says, he came to his own village, and they didn't welcome him. They showed no hospitality to Jesus, but as many as welcomed him, received him, to them he gave the authority to become children of God, to be at his table, even to those who believe in his name. Jesus came into our world to welcome us, but all the people you thought would have welcomed and received him and showed him such warm hospitality, they rejected him. And they didn't want anything to do with him. And it was the Zacchaeuses and the Mary Magdalene's and all the sinners and the woman with the, at the well. And it was all those crippled, poor, blind, lame people that welcomed Jesus in. Now, let me tell you this. As you begin to think about how you do hospitality, and what you want to do with it at your house or however you tend to do it. Can I tell you this? Remember, you're doing it with a motive. I don't need to be repaid. I don't need to be, have reciprocity. And I don't need to do it with everybody else who normally would get invited to my house. But I'm looking for the ones that Jesus can welcome into their family, his family. And so who are those ones? Who are strangers? Not people might cause you harm but people that you want to love and have a relationship with and start a fellowship with and talk with them and give them the gospel over a meal and invite them so that you can bring them into God's family. That's hospitality, and that's why it's missional, because that's the mission that Jesus was on. The question is, are we? Let's pray. Father, we ask your help. We ask your help. We just surveyed some stories tonight as we're starting to get into this subject. But I pray that as we study it more and we read more from the scriptures, that you'll move in our hearts to help us to see the hospitality that you've given to us, Jesus. Truthfully, your cross is the greatest moment of hospitality there's ever been. And there was rejection at it, and there was acceptance at it. And it's amazing who those two groups really are and what they composed of. That was true in the Old Testament. That was true in Jesus' ministry, the Gospels, the Acts of the Apostles, the Epistles. It was always very telling about people who offered hospitality. Father, may we be of those who have and are willing to offer hospitality to others because you have offered it so sacrificially and graciously to us. Help us to think about and pray about and consider what the implications of that are on our lives and our families and our church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.